here this morning. I'm hoping that the projectors up here settle down a little bit. But just sing along with us as we sing this morning. It's all going to be great. Let's sing about this thing. Come let us worship our King. Come let us bow at His feet. He has a great day. They were working earlier, so don't know what to say. You can look to every star. You'll be thankful for every heart. You have a great day. And I know you will do it again, for you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Sing all that again now. Hallelujah. Whether you're watching online uh, through one of the, the online opportunities, we're thrilled that you have gathered with us today, and we just want to welcome you today uh, and say thank you for being here on this Independence Day. You know, when we celebrate uh, Independence Day, when we celebrate America and who we are and, and all the things that we have the opportunity uh, to be about, it's absolutely incredible to think of the blessings of God and all that he has given to us and all that he has entrusted uh, to us. And it is it is really good to have all of you here with us today. Uh, thankful uh, for you coming out and uh, gathering with us. I see Greg Black right over here, one of uh, our leaders in our community, and a Gideon keeps putting the Bibles out there and doing different things. Thank you for being here with us. And uh, Greg, I've known you now for about 12 years, uh, maybe a little bit longer, practically longer now. Um, and today's the first time you come to the Sunday morning service at our friends. But you're here to hear your revival over there. That's like, am I? Right? Oh, okay. That's, that's a good thing. And we're glad you're here. And we, we just want to say thank you for being here and being part of the prayer request that you may have. Uh, so we want you to, to connect with us today, uh, if at all possible, uh, that way. And it'll be an awesome opportunity for you just to be able uh, to let us know that you're here. Share any prayer requests that you may have uh, because we know that we all have prayer requests and we want to be praying with you and we want to be praying for you. Well, not only is today an exciting day, uh, but we've had an exciting week with uh, ministry taking place and different things uh, going on. And uh, one of the things that has happened this past week uh, is our young people, our teens have been away uh, at camp and uh, we're going to invite some of them to uh, come and uh, share uh, and we're going to get things started with Nate Schaefer. Nate it leads our uh, college age uh, life group in that class. So Nate, you go ahead and uh, just share some things that uh, took place this week uh, while you were with uh, some of our young people at camp. Well, yeah, it was an awesome time, really rejuvenating for me. Um, I'm a math teacher in a school in Marion County, and um, it was just so cool. I think one worship night, um, there's 600 youth that were there, um, not from our church, but 600 total. Um, and um, it was just so cool. They were, we were singing, um, we, um, I See a Victory, and the kids were just hands up, all in, saying the battle belongs to God, and I see a victory. And it just warmed my heart. It was just so cool to see youth being like, you know what? The battle belongs to God. So it was an exciting time. Um, I got to pray with a couple students. I got a, one came up and said, hey, I just want to be all in for Jesus. So God did some amazing things and um, I'm just so excited to be a part of it. And I know he really rejuvenated me 
it makes me want to go back and just tell more people about Christ. So. Hey, that is, that's absolutely awesome. And I know that sometimes we're worried about uh, the future of America, but you just heard 600 young people worshiping and singing, I want to see a victory. Uh, that's absolutely amazing to stop and think and to hear what God can do. And Nate, thank you for taking the time to go and build relationships with those younger ones. So as, as they grow into the college years, you already know them, you're connecting with them, and that's absolutely awesome. We've got a, a, a one that uh, is, is a camper. You can stand down there, all right? And I'm I'll stand right here, and I just feel like we can go ahead. I'm just kidding. Come on up, Sean. Um, <laughs> tell, tell us what, what took place this week in your life. All right, so first things first, I just want to say that I'm uh, Sean Oler. My uh, friends over here um, Hold up. You can find this on Super News. So I'll lay them right there. Just so, uh, I mean, it's just, it's really unbelievable to see all those kids up there worshiping and just getting getting saved and just, you know, letting God overtake their heart. And I just, I really, really, again, appreciate the church for sending you guys. And uh, I think that's, that's all for me. Hey, let's give him a, a hand. And his, his mom is sitting right out here and his sister and some of the family, and they're going, he's never that quiet at home, right? Uh, and and that, that's okay. Carolyn Galbraith, uh, well, Carolyn Galbraith, it's Carolyn Weeder, right? I, I should know that. Uh, Carolyn, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Carolyn, share some things that, that took place uh, this week in, in your life and, and what went on at camp. Yeah, well, I have been serving with um, AJ and Brittany for the past three years with the youth group, and this is my second year going to camp with them. Um, church camp is something very near and dear to my heart. It's where I got saved 11 years ago. Um, in about 10 days, it would be 11 years. So that's awesome. And to see these kids kind of go through the same things that I went through was kind of just full circle. It reminded me why I chose to follow God in the first place, to watch them build friendships and to build upon the friendships that they already had in their relationships was just awesome. And to um, for me, I'm a teacher as well, and I work with this age group on a daily basis. So it's, it's just been kind of a nice break, but also it has just reminded me of my calling to work with these kids. And I love them all, and they've, you know, they took things well, like their pillows went missing for a night. Don't know how that happened. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to correct things. The guy's pillows went missing for a night, right? Yeah, it was the guys' pillows. Only the guys' pillows. Don't know how it happened. Don't, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, it was, it was probably Brittany, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let's throw her under the bus. Yeah. She may have had a friend. Yeah. But no, this trip was awesome. And just to spend time with these kids, it was amazing. And I love them so much. So. All right. That's awesome. Thank you, Carolyn. Landon, come on up. Share a, a little bit. Good morning, my name is Landon and I am here to talk about this year's camp. I have been to a few camps over the years and I can say that this year's camp has had a greater impact on my life and spiritual than any other camp I've been to. I've been already seeing hundreds of kids lift up their hands and give praise and worship to the one true God is something I will never get, as well as when some kids were saved and saved. Camp has changed my life drastically. Up for Sean. Landon, Carolyn, and Nate, they have done awesome. AJ? This is our next-gen pastor. He has them from really the time they come into this world, yeah. <laughs> uh, overseas, that area, all the way through youth and, and, and student ministry, and uh, works with our, our college ministry as well to keep everything going. Uh, and uh, AJ is just going to kind of take it over from here and then give it back to Dave in just a, a couple of minutes. But let's recognize AJ. Give him a round of applause for the, the things that he's done this week 
uh, to make it possible. And Brittany, she's right over here. You can go ahead and stand up as well. You, you, you went and uh, were there. And uh, it's, it's been a great week. Yeah, really the, the clapping should be more for Brittany because Brittany's the one that, that harnesses me in when the sarcasm gets to be at too high of a level. And she's like, I don't know that they know you're joking. So she's the one <laughs> that kind of harnesses that in. But no, this last week was truly a really, really good week. Uh, the students that went, uh, it, was, it was interesting to watch. Obviously, as you go into camp, you're watching other groups, how they interact and things, and watching what some of the other youth pastors have to deal with. And by the way, that's not a bad thing when it comes to outreach, right? Like if you're, if you're bringing people that don't know Jesus, they're gonna act like they don't know Jesus. But our group that was able to go, as I, I told them, I think in one of the meetings, I said, I'm so thankful I don't have to deal with any of that. Like this week, we may have little drama stuff that comes up because you know, you're with people for an entire week, you're hot, you're sweaty, it's sticky, it rains, and it feels like it gets hotter somehow. And like everything for that week, you're just kind of like, at some point. But the, the group never had any issues as far as where we had to say, hey, listen, we're gonna put a stop to this, it's not gonna happen. We had, besides when my wife and uh, Carolyn took the pillows and I had to say, hey, look, we're gonna have to put a stop to this. Uh, besides when that happened, uh, and by the way, when that happened, we went over and I thought, all right, I'm gonna gaslight this thing. Let's get some prank. I'm all about prank wars, quite honestly. I love it. But I went over to the, the girl's cabin and I said, now listen, you guys are gonna pay for the sins of your leaders. And we're gonna get you. And the girls are going like that. And so Brittany's text me, you need to stop. You need to stop. You need to stop. Remember I said she harnesses me? That's what she was doing. So we ended up not getting them back uh, because of that. I tried to, to show grace instead of the justice that was due. But the whole entire week, our group had fun. We played human foosball together, which was like epic. I mean, it was awesome. It was a great time together. But the people that we had go with us, um, I had been praying ahead of time as I was looking at the list and people signing up that God would work in those specific hearts the way that they needed to be worked in. There were some that I felt like God was tugging on me to approach about what I felt like God was leading them to do, but that's a really difficult thing. You don't wanna go to somebody and say, hey, I feel like God's leading you into the ministry and then go, oh, okay. And then it wasn't God, it was just me. So as I was praying about that this week, a couple of those that, that I was praying for that God would direct um, said, I'm going all in for Jesus. And here's the thing. If we, I, I love the phrase that students are the future of the church, but they're not, they are the church. We, we are the church, we're all one church. And so if students are part of the church and the students get all in, imagine the local schools and the local communities if students would go all in and go for Jesus. I mean, imagine that. Imagine the amount of people that would come to know Jesus if there were students who, by the way, most people are like, oh yay, students, right? Because we're, they're loud. They're seventh grade, they're stinky, you know, just kidding, seventh graders. But like all of the things that go, the, the mindset that goes about students, especially in our society, that they, they don't listen to authority, they buck against the system, all of those things. Imagine if a group of those people would start against the system, start going for Jesus, going out into the communities and telling their friends, and then we're taking the kids to camp next weekend. So we have a three-day camp, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that those who signed up for are going to. I believe we have uh, 16, uh, I think it's 16 kids that are going next weekend to camp Kentucky uh, for those three days. And so it's not just the students. And they're also probably going to passion in January. It's not just about the 412 students. It's about our next generation at all. We act like nothing's changed. We want our next gen to come into harmony, get powered up by the gospel, and go out and tell people. That's the goal. And so if you would... 
pray with me for these students. A lot of them volunteered to say, I will go into ministry. We celebrate that, but we don't lift them up above anybody else, right? Because I've told the whole group, we all go into ministry. God doesn't call you to just be like, oh, well, you're a plumber, so you don't have to do anything ministry-wise. No, we're all in ministry. We all have a calling to do. Some it's full-time and some it's part-time, but we're all in ministry. So we don't celebrate that above anything else, but we want those that are going into ministry full-time and those going to part-time to actually do it. And what Satan's gonna do now is he's gonna try and distract them. He's gonna have friends that are like, what, you're, you're doing what? I thought you were gonna go do this. That's so much cooler, you get paid so much better. And by the way, there might be parents that get convinced and try and convince their student, oh, no, you need to make more money than that. Or you need, no, I don't know that God's like, I think he's leading you here. We want our students to follow Jesus, whatever the cost. And so if you would pray with that or for that with me, especially for the students as they just came back, but then the kids, as we go this next week, we might have some kids who don't know Jesus and we want them to find Jesus at Center Kid. And if they do know him, we want them to be as charged up as these guys are next weekend. So when they come back Sunday evening, they're ready to go into the week telling their parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, friends about Jesus. So would you pray for that with me right now and then continue throughout the months as we go ahead. Father, we're grateful that you did a work this past week, not just in our group, but as Nate mentioned and some of the others, it's amazing to stand with, there's a total of I think 850 people there. So 600 students, about 250 support staff that are all standing, gathered around this stage, hands lifted, just praising you for who you are and what you've done. And to look out at what the impact would be if just every single one of those 850, not just the students, but the youth pastors, the support staff, all of them, if they were to just lead one person to Jesus, and then that one were to lead one person to Jesus, the impact that would have been birthed in that room, not because of youth pastors or sponsors or support staff, but because the Holy Spirit did what he said he would do, and he came and went to work. And so, Father, I pray that you would protect the students that went to camp, that you protect their hearts and their minds as they go forward. They've made decisions, and I know Satan doesn't like it, so I pray that you'd protect them. And Lord, for those that are going to camp this next weekend, I pray that you protect them as we go, that they would make decisions and they would follow you. But Lord, for Next Gen as a whole, from cradle through college, Lord, would you help our Next Gen ministry as a part of Harmony to reach the world, starting in Hendricks County. It's in your son's name that we pray, amen. Let's stand and let's worship together. Amen, stand with us. Like AJ says, we're all in the ministry, full-time or part-time, we're all there. So what's holding you back this morning? Let God take those chains and break them. Sing with me right here. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life If you've got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom or saving He's a prison shaking savior If you've got chains He's a chain breaker We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found 
ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know that just ain't right. When there's a better life, there's a better life. If you've got chain breaker if you believe it if you receive it if you can feel it somebody testify if you believe it if you receive it if you can feel it somebody testify testify if you believe it if you receive it if you can't feel it somebody testify testify if you've got pain he's a pain taker if you feel lost he's a way maker if you need chain breaker. He can break your chains if you trust him. We find out today that our hope has to be in Jesus, not political systems, not the White House. Our hope has to be in Christ. Sing with me right here. I've been held by the Savior. I've felt
and I've been washed by the blood. Sing that chorus one more time. Sing it out now. singing this morning. You may be seated. Well, we want to thank you for gathering with us. Hadn't it been awesome to, to hear uh, that, that we have a hope that's in Jesus, that we know that the next generation uh, is coming up and uh, we're going to be in good hands as God continues to, to move things uh, forward. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited uh, today to hear a special message that comes uh, from Gary Varvel. Gary is... Uh, a friend of our, our church, part of our church family. Uh, more importantly than that, he's a friend of Jesus. He knows what it's like uh, to live uh, for Christ uh, in the corporate world and daily. And, and that's really important because uh, a lot of people uh, know Jesus and when they're put in a, a difficult setting and, and situation, they, they may back away from that just a, a little bit for the sake of a job, for the sake of a dollar, whatever it might be. Uh, Gary is, is definitely not just a gifted artist, right? We know that. Uh, but more importantly uh, than that, I believe that God has gifted him and equipped him uh, to share a message that we need to hear today, uh, probably more than ever. I want you to welcome Gary Varvel. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate the opportunity to come and speak uh, before my home church. Uh, I'd like to Everybody's been identifying people that are here this morning. I want to identify my mom is here, and I'm thankful for her. Uh, and Martha Tyler is here. Martha is the wife of uh, the, uh, the late Don Tyler, who was the pastor of Bethesda Baptist Church for 40 years. And uh, I was there and got to hear him preach for 30 of that year, 30 of those years. And his ministry changed my life. And he changed the life of my family. Sorry, I get verklempt when I talk about my family. But uh, I took seriously what he would preach that don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. And that's where it really comes down to us. We can talk a good game. We can play church. But the difference is, are we actually living out what God is teaching us through his word? I want to start off by saying, I am so thankful to God to be an American. I'm thankful that God chose. In Acts 17, 26 and 27, it says that God created all men and women from one man, Adam, and he chose the exact places and times in which everyone would, be, would live. Think about that. I'm so thankful that he had me born in the time, 1957, and to the parents that I had who encouraged the gift that God had given me to lead to a, 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 what started as a career became a ministry. Uh, I'm thankful to God for that. I'm thankful to God that uh, my children and my grandchildren are growing up 
in this country, the freest country in the world. I want to start off by showing a, a cartoon that I did. Uh, this would have been 2017. Uh, imagine it. On the left-hand side is my actual cartoon. And if you notice in the bottom right-hand cor corner of the, of the cartoon is my signature. On the right side, someone cut off my name, put CNN's logo over the face of the donkey trying to stop the Trump train, and then, and then posted that, and it went viral. And then the president actually retweeted the cartoon. Not my original, but the facsimile of it. How do you think that makes me feel? Not that Trump retweeted my cartoon without my name on it, but that my name was taken off of my work, and then it was changed to say something that I didn't even say. Here's another cartoon. This is a cartoon I did after 9-11, the, the cartoon of Uncle Sam carrying the firefighter. Notice my, my name in the bottom right-hand corner. The next slide is a picture of Robin Williams. This was taken in 2002. Robin Williams is holding a shirt with my cartoon on it, and go to the next slide, you'll see, again, my name is missing. I gave no permission for anybody to reprint that on t-shirts. And the Associated, the only reason I found out about it was the Associated Press sent this out over the wire, and then somebody at the Indianapolis Star recognized my cartoon because they know me, and they know the work, and then he calls me, it was on a Sunday, and he said, did you get permission for this to be printed on t-shirts? I said, no. He said, well, the Associated Press is now sending out all over the world. And my name was taking off. How do you think that makes me feel? I wonder how God feels when he created us in his image. And then we take his name off of us. We take his name off of our country. How does he feel? Anger? Sadness? How about if we change the message that he intended for us and change it into something that he never intended? How long will his patience last before he judges us? I want to show you some quotes this morning. So this is a quote from, uh, this was a proclamation made in 1863, and this was actually made 15 days before Abraham Lincoln would be shot and killed. And I'll read it to you. This was the part of the proclamation. I'm not going to read the whole proclamation, I'm just going to read you some highlights. He says, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and in power as no other nation has ever, but we have forgotten God. And then he went on to say, that all blessed were by some superior and virtue of We in this nation had forgotten God. And God was putting us through a trial. The next slide is uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the Soviet dissident, Christian, who was in in the gulag for years and years, finally released. And after his release, he was asked to speak at all kinds of different colleges. He went to uh, Templeton once and he said this, more than a half a century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of older people offer the following explanation for the great 
disasters that had befallen Russia. And these men said, men have forgotten God, that's why all this has happened. Men have forgotten God. Has America forgotten God today? Let me show you Deuteronomy chapter 8. When I came across this text, I thought, here we go. Where did Abraham Lincoln get the idea that we had forgotten God? Where did Solzhenitsyn get the idea that we had forgotten God? Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this, and I'm picking up in verse 10. When, we, when you have eaten and are full, and he's speaking to the Israelites here. He's just had, they were, they were in Egypt for 400 years. He brought them out. He brought them into the wilderness. And they spent 40 years there. And they didn't have to. They had 10 spies who went into the land and gave a bad report and said, we can't beat these guys. And so he had them spend 40 years until that generation died off. And then he's going to bring them into the promised land. And as he's bringing them into the promised land, he's telling them, I'm going to bring you into a land of milk and honey. You didn't even work for any of this. And I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm going to drive out the nations before you. And then he says this, when you've eaten and are full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Do not, do not keeping his, do, by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, multiplied, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold are multiplied, and all you have are multiplied. And your heart is lifted up. That's pride, folks. When your heart is lifted up, and he says, and you shall remember, remember your, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, and he may establish his covenant with uh, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Finally, and then, then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God. Notice the, the repeating here. Don't forget. When you forget the, if you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, and te I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. Now, he's talking about the chosen people here. And he tells them, when you do this, you will perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so, shall, so you shall perish because you wouldn't be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Now, people would say, Gary, look, that was to Israel. That's not to us. There has been no nation in history that has been more blessed of God than the, the United States of America. Why? Because of our founding. Um, the Mayflower Compact, for instance. Is that the next slide? Go to the next slide. No. Let me, that's, uh, I'll shift gears. This is good. All right, so in 1962, <laughs> that was my mistake. So in 1962, the Supreme Court ruling the Engel versus Vital, they struck down voluntary prayer in schools. Now, this had been a tradition for over 200 years in our, in our nation. And I'll, I'll show you that in a minute. But here's the prayer that caused the court case, that caused the Supreme Court to strike down voluntary prayer in the school system. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee and we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. Notice Jesus Christ is not even mentioned in the text, in the part of the prayer. It's pretty vague. The next case is 1963 in the Supreme Court of the United States ruling Abington versus Shemp. And 
this is where they kicked Bible reading out of the school. You can't have Bible. My, pa- my parents, when they were in school, the Bible is one of the textbooks. They were constantly learning about the Bible. Since 1963, that hasn't happened. It's been, it's been eliminated. Now, here's the reason. This is in the court case. A psychologist, his testimony said, if portions of the New Testament were read without expl- explanation, they could be and had been psychologically harmful to the child. And based on that, the Supreme Court set a precedent. It was never done in the past. Supreme Courts in the past would have never done this. But they set a precedent. We're not going to have Bible in our schools anymore. So I'm going to take you back to uh, the Mayflower Compact in 1620. In 1620, the Puritans come over and they land at Plymouth Rock. And they write this. This is why they came. Having undertaken for the glory of God the advancement of the Christian faith. They came here seeking freedom to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why they came. And they had an impact because in 1647, in Massachusetts, they wrote the old deluder law. Sounds interesting. Here's what the law said. It being one chief project of that old deluder, Satan, to keep men from knowledge of the scriptures as in former times by keeping them in an unknown tongue. So they recognized that the old deluder is Satan. And in the past, during the dark ages, he kept people ignorant of language so they couldn't read the word of God. And then they go on to say, it is therefore ordered that every township in this jurisdiction after the Lord hath increased them to 50 households shall forthwith appoint one in their own town to teach all such children as shall resort to, to him to write and read so that they could read the word of God. The idea being that one generation is being taught the word of God so that when they grow up and they become leaders in the country, they will not pass laws that are contrary to the word of God. And for a long time that happened in this country. Benjamin Rush said this. Benjamin Rush was one of the founding fathers and he did a lot of things, but uh, I'm just going to, I don't have time to go through it all, but the Bible, uh, he said this, but the Bible when read, when not read in schools. Now, now, we're told in our generation, well, since 63, that the founding fathers didn't want the Bible taught in schools. Well, not Benjamin Rush. He says, the Bible, when not read in schools, is seldom read in any sub- subsequent period of life. The Bible should be read in schools in preference to all other books because it contains the greatest portion of that kind of knowledge which is calculated to produce private and public happiness. In other words, he's saying, do you want a populace that's not rioting in the streets and and all wanting their own way about every little thing? Teach them the word of God. Reach them through the heart. The the next one I want to show you is this. I did this illustration, this quick cartoon of uh, Benjamin Franklin. This is at the Continental Congress. And when they get these 13 colonists, you know, leaders together, and they were having, they were bickering about all kinds of stuff. And they went on for weeks, and they weren't having any kind of resolution. Finally, probably the least religious person in the room, but an 80-year-old Benjamin Franklin stands up, and he says this. And this is recorded by two different uh, people who were in the room at that time. And he said, I have lived long, sir, a long time 
And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they that labor or labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. We shall be divided in our own partial local interest. Our projects will be confounded, and we ourselves shall become a reproach and a byword down through future ages. And what is worse, mankind may hereafter, from this unfortunate instance, despair of establishing governments by human wisdom and leave it to chance and war and conquest. I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before they proceed to business and that one or more of the clergy of the city be requested to officiate the service. In other words, he was asking for us, let's go away and pray. And then when we come back, let's have a clergyman start the, the whole session with prayer. Let's get our minds right. And it worked. When they came back, they were of more of a mind to work together, and they came up with the Declaration of Independence. Now, quickly, our form of government has lasted for 245 years. This is very unusual in in world history. I I think the, the French have had, like, since in the last 200 years, like 25 different constitutions but here's our form of government. It's based on scripture, Exodus 18, 21. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. We don't have a democracy. We have a, a representative republic is what we have. That's what our founders gave us. I know I hear all the time people say on TV that we have a, we have a democracy. Not really. We have a representative republic, and it came from Scripture. The next one, we have three branches of government. It came from Isaiah 33, 22. The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. It is he who will save us. And the founder said, if God is three different things to us, then we need a government that is three different things. Separation of powers came from Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitfully wicked beyond all things. Who can know it? In other words, they said... A man who has power, it will corrupt him. And a man who has absolute power will be corrupted absolutely. And therefore, we need a separation of power so somebody can't just write an executive order and it just goes through and nobody else does anything. If it's not according to the Constitution, then it would end up going to the Supreme Court. But our hope is not in government. Government is just made up of sinful men and women Our hope is only in Jesus Christ. George Washington, in his farewell address, after serving two terms, he wrote down his recommendations for the future of our country. And this is what he said. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. Get this. Religion and morality, the two together, are two indispensable supports holding up this government. Next, in vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness. In other words, he's saying, you're not a patriot if you try to remove religion and morality out of our society. Those are strong words. 
Then he says, and let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of impressionable structure, in other words, that is the minds of students, again, the focus is on trying to reach the young people, the next generation. I so appreciate what AJ had to say this morning about teaching our young people to be evangelists, to reach one, reach your friends with the gospel. This is how we change the future. One person at a time, people living out their faith, not playing church, but being real, doing what the Bible says. That is, on the minds that reason and experience forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. In other words, if you don't have the Bible... If you kick the Bible out, then you don't have anything to base your moral standards on. And those moral standards, now everybody has a moral standard, but that standard keeps shifting all of the time. And we see it in our society right now. I draw about it every week. The next founding father, second president of the United States, John Adams, he said, we have no government armed with the power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. In other words... The human passions that people have, their selfish interests, their passion about what they want to do, and if it's not bridled by religion and morality, we are in big trouble because we are just going to be constantly butting heads with one another and fighting one another. Then he goes on and says this, our constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. Moral and religion going together. The next president, third president, Thomas Jefferson said this, God who gave us life gave us liberty. If you go to the jail in D.C., this is written on the walls. Liberty came to the nation and we have removed a conviction that these were the gift of God, not the gift of government, the gift of God. And the actual country reflected that God just and his justice not sleep forever. 1781 he wrote that. They grew up with it. It became part of them. Even if they didn't become a Christian, they knew the biblical principles. They did believe this. There was a creator. They wrote it in our founding documents. John Quincy Adams. And when I came across this quote, I thought this is, this is so insightful. John, John Quincy Adams, the son of John Adams, the, the sixth president of the United States, he said this. There are three points of doctrine the belief of which forms the foundation of all morality. Okay, so he's going to tell you the definition of morality right here. What is it, what's it based on? The first is the existence of God. Number two, that the, immortal, in the immortality of the human soul. And third is the future state of rewards and punishments. Now, this is what he's saying. First of all, if you're going to have a moral society, they have to believe that the God exists. Number two, they have to believe that Death does not end us. Our human soul is immortal. It is going to continue on living in eternity somewhere in one of two places. And then thirdly, thirdly, is that they have to understand that the Bible says very clearly that we're going to face God one day and we're going to have to give an account for how we lived. There's coming a judgment of rewards or punishments. This is what you base morality on. That we're not just living here for a short time, 70, 80 years, but that our life is going to go on for eternity. That changes the way we think about a lot of things. But that's not what's been taught in schools. 
we have separated religion from morality. And I just showed you the court cases that separated it. He goes on and says this, suppose it possible for a man to disbelieve either of these three articles of faith, and that man will have no conscience. He will have no other law than that of the tiger or the shark. The laws of man may bind him in chains and put him to death, and they may, uh, but they can never make him wise, virtuous, or happy. I don't know. Some of you people are on social media. I have to be there because I have to try to reach an audience, and, and it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing. There's a lot of bad stuff on social media. And the one thing that I see is there are a lot of tigers and sharks on social media. They are unloving, unforgiving. They will slam you about the least little thing. And then if you apologize, that's blood in the water. Then they attack even more. There is no redemption, no forgiveness. It is like a religion from hell. The next thing I want to show you is Daniel Webster. Daniel Webster was a statesman. I won't go into his background, but I want to give you this quote. He said this uh, at Bunker Hill. uh, There was a Bunker Hill monument erected in, in 1843, June 17th. And this is what he said. If God and his word are not known and received, the devil and his works will gain the ascendancy If the evangelical volume does not reach every hamlet, the pages of a corrupt and licentious literature will. If the power of the gospel is not felt throughout the length and breadth of the land, anarchy and misrule, degradation and misery, corruption and darkness will reign without mitigation or end. Can you imagine making a prediction today about something that would happen hundreds of years in the future? I can't. But he basically called exactly what we see today in our society. When I pick up the newspaper or read stuff online, this is what he's talking about. We removed the Bible from our society. People were not taught it anymore. And it was replaced by the devil's work. A licentious literature that fed the minds of people and caused them to be Self-centered, mean, hateful. It retrained their conscience to not believe in God and we've forgotten God. Even Teddy Roosevelt said this, every thinking man when he thinks realizes that the teachings of the Bible are so interwoven and intertwined with our whole civic and social life that it would be literally impossible for us to figure ourselves that what that life would be if the standards were removed. We would lose almost all the standards by which we now judge both public and private morals, all the standards which we, with more or less resolution, strive to raise ourselves. The next one is Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He said this, We cannot read the history of our rise and development as a nation without reckoning with the place that the Bible, with the place that the Bible Uh, has occupied in shaping and advancing our republic. Uh, Where we have been the truest and most consistent in obeying its precepts, we have attained the greatest measure of contentment and prosperity. In other words, he said when we obeyed the Bible, when we did what it said, that's when we gained ascendancy. That's when when all these successes happened. 
We are, the American population is 4% of the world's population. But we're 25% of the gross domestic product. How is that possible? God has blessed our nation materially. And the same thing that he told the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And he warned them. When you start increasing in houses and factories and all of the stuff. When your money starts increasing. Be sure that you don't forget the Lord your God. I tell you since World War II. Our nation has begun to turn its back on God. It was fulfilled in 62 and 63 in 1973, we passed the terrible, not, we didn't pass, the Supreme Court just made a law, which it's not allowed to do in, in according to the Constitution, but made a law that abortion is, is okay. And since 1973, 62 million babies have been aborted. How long will God say it's okay to do that? God is patient. But his patience doesn't last forever. That's what Thomas Jefferson said. He said he trembles for his country when he thinks about this. John Jay, first chief justice of the Supreme Court, he said this, Providence has given, us, has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation, notice he calls us a Christian nation, to select and prefer Christians for our rulers. National prosperity can neither be obtained nor preserved without the favor of Providence. And then I, and the, finally, I want to show you this. So this is Robert Winthrop. He said, men in a word must necessarily be controlled either by a power within them or a power without them, either by the word of God or by the strong arm of man, either by the Bible or the bayonet. And isn't that not true? There's two ways to control people. Either you reach their heart and the Bible has the power to reach the heart. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the thing that changes the hearts of people. And when that doesn't happen, then essentially you have to get the bayonet. In other words, a police force. What do we say in our, in our, in our uh, land today? Defund the police? That seems like a, not a wise thing to do. I did this cartoon... Back in the 90s, thank God we found a land where our children will be free to read the Bible and pray in schools. It's a little snarky. But I ask you this, I, I, I would ask you this, is it impossible for our nation? No. Is there anything too God for God? No, there's nothing too hard for him. Uh, Genesis 14, Luke 1, 7, Luke 9, In Luke 9, 23, Jesus was saying to a man, and I will deliver you and you will honor me. Psalm 145.18, the Lord is near to all who call on him. Luke 11, 11 uh, verse 2 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That should be our prayer. When was the last time that we prayed for God's kingdom to come? And then finally, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Notice there's several things here. There's several requirements. My people are called by my name. Now, people will say, Gary, that was written to the Jews. That wasn't written to us. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Then you are called by his name. 
And then it says, if we will humble ourselves. That's the opposite of pride. Remember the warning in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that we read at the beginning? When you think that you have done all of this, when you've accomplished it on your own, when you think that you're smarter than everyone else, that is pride. God hates that. It's like taking his name off of his creation and now you've taken credit for it. That's what we've done. And just as I mentioned to you that God loves us and he's patient with us, but he wants us to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face. He wants us to have that personal face-to-face relationship with him. And he wants us to turn from our wicked ways. Now, I don't have time to go through all of our wicked ways in this country. But I think that we need to take that personally. When we think that we're too good to fail, when we think our nation is too good to fail, we're in big trouble. We are in big trouble. In fact, our biggest threat in this country is God because he has judged nations in the past and he will do it in the future. But our biggest hope, our only hope, is God. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm, I'm begging you this morning to reconsider. Thank God for the, what he's given us, but also be concerned about the direction we've, we have forgotten God in this country. And maybe you've forgotten God in your own life, maybe in your own family. We need to put God first. We need to put Jesus Christ first. You want to make America great again? Make Jesus Christ first again in everything. That means that maybe there's somebody here who doesn't have that personal relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. He is the creator, the Bible says. He came to this earth, lived a perfect life, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, and went to the cross to die for our sins. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. But then he rose from the dead, from the grave on the third day, proving that he has power over death. And he offers that eternal life to anybody who puts their faith in him. If you're here today and you don't have that relationship with him, if you're here today and your whole focus is on you, then I'm asking today to humble yourself, seek his face, ask Jesus to save you. And he said that he recalls on the name of the Lord. Today, you've heard a message that's simple, that's powerful, that's needed. The message says, if you were, right now, if you would bow your head, close your eyes. If you're watching online, I encourage you to stay with us for just a, a, another couple of minutes. Today, wherever you're at, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if there's never been a time where you've placed your faith in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, let's do that day. You see, God sent his son. His name is Jesus. He sent his son. To pay the world. A simple prayer like that changes everything. Not only changes your eternity, but it changes things for here and now. Gives you hope to face the day-to-day struggles. It gives you one to answer the questions, the struggles of this life. So today, if you pray a little prayer like that, we want you to let us know what you're online, whether you're in person, here's what we want you to do. If you're in person, we want you to come and tell us that personally. You, you come right after the service, you come and, and talk to one of the people that's right, uh, a way for you to just to reach out to us and say, look, I'd like to know more. I have a prayer request, and, and I want you to pray with me and for me as I begin my new journey 
in life and my new faith in Christ and I want to learn more about him, we want to help you do just that. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, John, I've been a Christ follower, but, but Gary's message has spoke to, to my heart and my life and I know him as, as Savior, but you know what, I really feel like I need to pray for some things in my life today. I need to be the Christian that, that I need to be. You see, ultimately, we can point to Washington and say, look, that's what's wrong with our country. But, but here's really the struggles of our country. The struggles of our country come down to people just like you and me people that are everyday people, many of whom know Jesus, and we worry more about what culture thinks of us than what Jesus thinks of us. We worry more about pleasing someone, being correct from a political standpoint or a cultural standpoint, and, and the reality is God gave us his word long, long ago that, that says, look, the answer is for people like you and I, Christ followers, to respond to him and to follow him. Not just when things are, are looking like they're moving in the right direction, but when it's morally dark, when things are, are falling apart, we stand strong and we trust Jesus, we trust the Lord and, and we say, look, we're not gonna be moved from trusting him, from following his word. Ultimately, that's the answer. If you know Jesus today, you know the answer. You know the hope for your life and for the life of this country that God has blessed us with. And no matter what our struggles might be, this truly is the best place on the face of the earth. And you say, how do you know that? Just go to a few other places on the face of the earth. And you'll find out just how good it is right here. Because this is the only country where we help other people do things like get clean water and take medicine and, and do that on a, a regular basis. And people go out and, and do that. And we make a part of it. Something that we do here in our Western world. We have been blessed incredibly. And we need to write and say, Lord, would you help us to live? We haven't done a come forward invitation in a long time. Don't do one on a regular basis, but today I just feel like that's what I'm supposed to do right now, so the band's just going to play. We're, we're going to stand. We don't have to have any music. If you want to come forward, you, you can go ahead and, and come and say, Lord, would you help me be the Christ follower that, that I need to be? Maybe you, you've got a sickness you want to pray for. Maybe you want to pray for Leon Manette, who's, who's in the hospital uh, right now, was taken there yesterday. Maybe you want to pray for Will Feltner, who's, who's there just a, a few rooms down, and, and uh, he needs prayer, recovering, but, but needs prayer. Whatever the situation might be, maybe you want to come and, and pray for our country. Maybe you just want to come and say, look, Lord, help me be the Christ follower that I need to be. The man, the woman, the, the dad, the, the mom, whatever it might be. It, just, just step out and do that as the band begins to play. Let's stand together. And uh, if you want to come and pray, come and pray around the altar. If you want to pray right where you are, just, just pray right, right where you are.
those that are praying here, those that are watching online, you can pray right where you are. You can ask God to move wherever you're at. You don't have to be in a church. You don't have to come to an altar. The idea is just having a symbol, having a place, saying, God, I'm, I'm asking. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to say a few words. Dave's going to come and lead us in a song as we close out today. And as I pray, I want to encourage you for you to lift your prayers to the throne and ask God to be everything that we need. Father, we come to you today and Lord, people are still praying. Lord, I ask that you would hear our prayers. Father, I pray that as you give us a new, fresh vision for our local church, Father, that you would help us not just to think about our local church, but that you would help us to think about your kingdom. Father, I pray that you would help us not just to think about attracting people to this place, but Father, making disciples for you that will go out and make disciples that make disciples. Father, that you would help us to know that we have your blessings over and over and over in this country. And Father, that you would just help us to look at your word and to know that what was true for Adam way back in the garden is true for us today. That you would help us to know that what was true in the, those Old Testament moments, the words and the verses we heard this morning and, and, and the New Testament scriptures and, and the things that our founding fathers looked back on and pulled truth out of your word, help us to know that it's true for us today. And God, help us to know that the answer isn't in a, a party on one side or the other that ultimately the answer is in the person of Jesus Christ and the people of Jesus Christ following that person with everything that they are. So Father, I pray that you would help our church to be the church that you've called us to be. And God, I pray that you would work in amazing ways in our country and help us to honor you and help us to further the gospel. Help us to use the freedoms we have, not to sit back and enjoy our freedom, but to bring a greater freedom to people in our community, people in our neighborhoods, people all over the globe that need to know who you are. Father, we have one in our church family Lord, that, that's here in a, a new place now, a new country. And they're enjoying some freedoms that they didn't have. 
Father, I pray that you'll help us to see little things like that that would cause us to appreciate what you've blessed us with even more. And God, I ask that you would help us to share your blessings in a way that honors you and to live out those freedoms. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.